All right, boys and girls, welcome to the Rock and Roll Garage. Come on in, have a seat, get comfortable. This is your Uncle Jimmy. He's uh, barking shit into a microphone. Barking shit called Greased Wheels. Hey, uh, hope everybody had a good Christmas. Hope the New Year's holds up to expectations. I think it's going to be a fucking roller coaster ride myself this New Year coming up. Kind of the subject of today's podcast. But before I get started, I want to thank you for what you've done for all of us as technicians, people who fix things, people who make things go again, people who solve problems. Thank you for what you did in 2022. Keep up the good work in 2023. Hey, I hope you got some goals, some resolutions maybe, something you could do better, something you could stop doing that you were doing pretty fucking well but should better do doing. You know what I'm talking about? I think you do. Drink a little less, smoke a lot less. Holy shit, what the fuck? And uh, generally lead a little healthier life. Love the people that love you. Don't hate people. Don't hate so many. Don't hate so many people. <laughs> Not like your Uncle Jimmy. He, is, he doesn't have a I Look, I have a small list of people I hate. And then it grows smaller all the time because, well, frankly, I'm old and they die sometimes. So there's that. Now, what I wanted to do this week is kind of put out, uh, this just didn't come to me naturally uh, at all, but I wanted to kind of take a look at where the industry is going and then slot our, because they're, I mean, let me put it to you this way, okay, before I get too far here. Uh, nobody is going to write articles about how it's going to go for technicians and shops and people who fix things. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to set out to write an article saying, geez, you know, automotive technicians in 2023 should look forward to this and they'll have to deal with this. And it's just not happening. What I did find, however, was some industry predictions for the automotive industry in general. And then what your Uncle Jimmy's going to do is dissect them and interject what we are probably going to see and what is probably going to affect us and what is probably going to happen. And what is going to happen is that 2023 is going to be quite frankly, a fucking massive shit show. And it is going to be good for us as technicians, as people who fix things, people who do the repairs. It's going to be a great year for us. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to go through this list. Let me see how many things there are here. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, ten. It's a short little... uh, industry predictions list for 2023 and it is full of all kinds of well you know this is what's going to happen and that's what's going to happen and and uh you know how predictions are they may or may not happen but i think generally overall the outlook for us is probably pretty good because none of the stuff they're talking about is going to affect us per se and i'll I'll show you what i'm talking about here in a minute i want to get i want to get started Uh, and i apologize if the enthusiasm level is a little lower than usual i kind of had a little surgery and so uh, yeah, I'm kind of on the uh, fucking R&R trend right now. So uh, if it seems a little choppy, it might be because I got a little, little little pain going on, a little pain, not too much. Don't, don't feel sorry for your Uncle Jimmy, that old bastard. He's all right. He'll unfortunately keep living. <laughs> yeah, let's get started here because uh, this is, and this is from a fairly respected group of people who do uh, some uh, industry news for people who run things, people who uh, own things and people who are interested in this sort of information. And I am, so I get this information. There's a company out there called Cox Automotive, and they do, I know, I didn't, I'm not making that up. It's called Cox Automotive, and they do, uh, they provide information for people in the industry. Uh, the, the actual name of the company is Cox Automotive Industry Insights. And what they have done is taken a look at 2023 and kind of tried to predict somewhat what's going to happen here. And they have a, it seems like they have it pretty well together. The problem is, is they're not really talking to us. So what I'm going to do is translate it into, into something that we can 
we can digest. And uh, I hope it I hope it leaves you with a little bit of a snidely whiplash kind of a grin going, <laughs> I'm going to make all kinds of fucking money this year. Watch out, motherfuckers. Uh, here's how it starts out. It says, with the start of the new year just weeks away, the Insight team offers its ex- expectations for the U.S. automotive market in 2023. By nearly all measures, 2022 was a difficult year for both the industry and the consumer. I agree with that. I think you probably would too. Uh, I don't know about you. Our uh, dealership at various points in time during the last year or so had absolutely zero new car inventory. Uh, cars that were being sold were just uh, cars that they were saying, hey, we'll, you want it, we'll build it. And when it showed up, come and get it. There was nothing on a lot. You rolled in and you needed a car right away. You were fucking out of luck. So consumers have had Really, they've had their they're they've they're in a fucking whirlwind. They're they're dizzy. They don't know what to fucking do. Used cars went through the roof. Holy shit! What the fuck happened there? Right? And new cars? Well, I couldn't find them, so they were fucked. And as a consequence, the average age of cars on the road went up like a year and a half. So it's hovering somewhere around fourteen years old now. And I'll tell you, I don't think they really mention it too often in here. They mentioned it a few times in this article that I read. Thank you, Eric. I did read it. Uh, They did mention that the average age of the automobile on the road is going to continue to go up for several reasons. And and we'll get to that. Well, they they did talk about that. And uh, I'll I'll explain why. And I'll also explain to you, translated into technician speak as, hey, guess what? That's a good fucking thing for us. That's a real good fucking thing for us. Goes on here to say that uh, historically low new vehicle inventories, high prices and stubborn inflation, stubborn Inflation, yeah. Chipping away at monthly budgets. Yes, uh, inflation has beat the shit out of all of us, some more than others. Uh, Hopefully not you so much, but uh, probably you. Uh, I remarked uh, earlier in the year that I said to my manager that we were going to need some raises passed out throughout the shop because we're all dealing with inflation. I had gone to the store and bought $50 worth of groceries and it cost me $80. And uh, he was... uh, kind of unimpressed with that uh so you know that's some of the shit that we have to battle with and uh their nonchalance towards our problems is is something that i i i, mean, I try to help with it as much as i can but what am, what am i gonna do i can't force people to listen to grease the wheels i can't even force myself to listen to it sometimes <laughs> uh it says here a relatively strong job market was a tailwind but all the while a hawkish federal reserve pushed rates higher yes it did essentially riding the brakes as the auto industry struggled to gain momentum, yeah, when you raise rates, people look at that and say, wow, how much do I really end up having to pay for a car at the end of a term if I get a four, five, six, or even a seven-year loan? How much am I really going to end up paying for a car that's, who knows, 50 grand? going to be close to 75, 80 grand. You're going to have to pay almost you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in interest, and when the interest rate goes up, that goes up, and it actually, in effect, makes a car cost more. And so, uh, conversely, it makes people not want to fucking buy one. It makes them a little happier with the car that they already got fucked on. <laughs> so, well, they did probably. You know, I mean, if you buy a new car and you have to, you have to finance it. It's kind of crazy how much money they want just to borrow their money. Uh, and that, but that's how the name. That's the name of the game, and that's why a lot of you guys. I know a lot of you guys, and myself personally, I'm one of you guys. I don't have a car payment anymore. I looked forward to the day when I didn't have a car payment. Uh, the car I have, I actually have several, so I shouldn't really talk like that. But yeah, I think a lot of you guys are in the same boat that your uncle Jimmy is because. You have a car that you're not making payments on anymore. And guess what? If you want to, you could probably keep that thing going forever. Seriously. I mean, I can. 
and I'm probably going probably going to. I mean, I really I would love to have something new, but I am not willing to fork out the fucking do re mi to pay for something like that. And I especially don't want to have to pay these outrageous interest rates to buy something new. You know, this is I mean, interest rates are where people get money just for lending you money and it's fucking outrageous uh, and they try to keep inflation down by raising the rates. I guess I don't understand how that's supposed to work. Let me move on here. The next paragraph begins, this past year was challenging not only to forecast, but for the industry to manage. And this was said by a gentleman who works for this Cox Automotive. And his name, he has the best name I've ever read, Jonathan Smoke. That's awesome. And uh, you know what? I'd love to hear what uh, Mr. Smoke has to say. As we look forward into 2023, we see one set of challenges being replaced by another. Okay. Well, I think all the challenges that have been in place before are still in place. They're going to be added to. I don't think they're going to be replaced. Okay. We expect the year ahead to be one of transition, aren't they all? As both the consumer and the industry move past the remnants of a global pandemic, and set a new course for mid-decade growth. Okay, remnants of a global pandemic it suggests really out loud too, by the way, that uh, it's going away. Well, it, for you, I don't know how it was for you. For me, it never really showed up. It was not really on my radar all that much. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Uh, didn't do a lot of things that people who are supposed to be in a pandemic were supposed to do because I just didn't buy into it. And it turns out, yeah, it was kind of right. Uh, as far as the pandemic being over, though, there are a lot of people who are still jumping up and down about it. So uh, let's not uh, let's not uh, call it finished just yet, okay? Uh, we're into uh, sudden death overtime with it. And there may be new strains and versions of it. And some people are still getting it. And some people still have it. And some people are probably still going to be killed by it, especially now that we're cruising into a really, really awful stretch of weather. I hope that some of you are doing all right through that. But as we cruise through this stretch of weather where the temperatures fall, you may be more susceptible to getting a cold, a flu, or the COVID-19, or whatever they want to call it nowadays. Also, to setting a new course for mid-decade growth. I think that people are just looking forward to any kind of growth in any part of the decade, not just the mid part of it, okay? Uh, here's, here it goes on to say here, guided by recent research, intelligence capabilities powered by DriveQ, the largest breadth of first-party data in the automotive ecosystem and a team of analysts and experts, Cox Automotive posts 10 trends that will shape the auto business in 2023. Well, now, it makes it sound like, and I love this, that was that was one of the best sentences I ever read. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to read that again because it really was all one sentence. And you know, I'm kind of a grammar Nazi. I graduated from the grammar Hitler youth. Uh, guided by recent research, Okay, so I'm not sure where they're getting their numbers from, but it doesn't matter. Intelligent capabilities powered by DriveQ, that must be a computer program of some sort that looks at numbers and says, here's what you're fucking looking at, pal. The largest breadth of the first-party data in the automotive ecosystem and a team of analysts and experts. Okay, well, you can take all the data in the world you want. And my dad used to say this, and this has been going on for a long time. Uh, he used to say, liars figure and figures lie. So you can look at any data you want and twist it any which way you want. It's like a bread tie. You can twist it left, you can twist it right, or you can just leave it straight, whatever. You can make any data you want look any way you want. Now, they say that they have analyzed this data with a team of analysts 
and experts. Well, I want to know what it is that makes an analyst or an expert out of some people, especially when they're talking about the automotive industry. I will tell you right now that your Uncle Jimmy is not an analyst or as it's spelled, analyst uh, and or an expert. He's not, but it doesn't, you don't need to be uh, Nostradamus to see the future and kind of figure out certain things from what they're trying to tell you and for what you've seen and where you've been and where you're at now and where you're fucking going uh this they have posted 10 trends that will shape the auto business in 2023 so let's go through this and add the uh grease to wheels uncle jimmy take on it and see how it affects us and you could listen i would like for you here's the thing okay now i this is one of the things i don't like about when people get together and say oh this is how it's gonna be yeah okay bullshit because you're wrong a lot, I think anyway. What I want you to do as a technician, as a person, as somebody who drives and owns a car, or somebody who works on them, I want you to kind of think about some of these things. I want you to think about some of this input here, three different ways, okay? Follow along with this scenario. I want you to think about what I'm going to tell you here with these 10 sort of uh, predictions, I guess you could say, these 10 sort of soothsayers, these psychics, whatever. I want you to see it as an auto mechanic, if you are one, or if you have been one even, I want you to also see it as a garage or a shop or even a dealership owner or possibly some sort of manager at one of these places, okay? How it's going to affect the business, your business. Okay, and then I want you to see how it's going to affect the consumer, the end user, the guy who can't change a spark plug, who cross-threads the cap on his toothpaste in the morning and doesn't know lefty-loosey from righty-tighty, okay? I want you to kind of do that in your mind and I'll follow along, okay? Number one, a slow-growing economy will place pressure on the automotive market. Well, yes and no, okay? People are always going to need, uh, they're always going to need their cars for whatever it is they do, really. I mean, unless you live right next door to where you work and there's a supermarket on the other side of where you work, you're going to need a car. You're going to need some form of transportation. And even if you don't fucking own it, you're still going to need it. So even if you even if you don't own a car, you're going to count on at some point in time a car that somebody else owns, maybe an Uber or Uber Eats or you know what whatever else there is out there. Can't even I'm drawing a blank now on all the different uh, ways of having stuff delivered, including yourself. So the automobile industry is going to impact you really regardless of what you do. I mean, yes, you could walk to work. Yes, you could walk to the grocery store. But at some point in time, you're going to have to go somewhere that isn't within walking distance. And hello, maybe you break your leg or twist your ankle. Are you going to want to continue to walk? Yeah, probably not. All right, here's what it says here. Slow growing economy will place pressure on the automotive market. While the risk of recession in 2023 remains, and it does, it's not a risk. It is definitely going to happen. The recession is going to get worse uh, it is due to a lot of different factors which have been acerbated by our uh, current administration. So it's you, you just have to say, guess what? I'm going to grin and bear it. But you know who's going to have to grin and bear it the least? You, you wrench twisting bastards, because people are going to need you regardless. They're going to need you. Cox Automotive expects the economy to see at least slowing or very weak growth as the Federal Reserve tightens monetary conditions and consumers continue to wrestle with high interest rates. Yeah, consumers are not going to wrestle with high interest rates. They're just going to continue to drive what they drive. Okay, at one point in time, every consumer in the world loved or at least liked the car they have. They liked it or they loved it. And they're just going to have to continue to like it or love it a little longer unless they want to deal with how much money's going to cost 
to get a new one. What's going to happen is, too, also, is that, you know, inventory levels on dealer lots that have been close to or at or near zero for a new inventory, well, they're going to have inventory. They're going to have inventory. And because of interest rates and because of a lot of people actually losing their jobs because of this recession that's going on right now, some of that shit's going to sit. And when it sits, that's a big, big, biggity big fucking deal for these car dealers. They call it dating. And when a car's on a lot for, you know, 30, 40, 60, 90, 100 days, they get anxious they feel like they're never going to sell them and they start to lose money on them because they have to pay to have those cars on their lot in many cases and they don't want to have to they'd love to sell them right away if they can so as the lots start to fill up money starts being spent just to keep them there keeping them there is going to cost them money and it's and if they if you want them you can certainly get them if you can afford them but uh you're going to be much better off uh, as a consumer, okay, keeping the car you have. Okay, while the risk of the recession in the 2023 remains, yeah, that's coming. Uh, my tightens monetary conditions and consumers continue to wrestle with a high interest rate. A job-wrecking recession is a worst-case scenario for the auto industry, except for you as a technician. It's not going to wreck your job. There is, there, and here it comes, baby. It's grease wheels, mission statement. There's a shortage. I don't, I don't, I don't care if every car in the world stops running. I don't care if the economy fucking closes right down. People are still going to need the cars. They're still going to need them. I mean, if we have a zombie apocalypse, for fuck's sake, people are going to need their cars to drive away from these flesh-eating freaks that are dead and don't even know it. They're going to need their cars. <laughs> and if they don't work, they're going to need you. And sometimes we resemble flesh-eating zombies. <laughs> uh, Job-wrecking recession is the worst-case scenario for the auto industry. It is the worst-case scenario for everybody in the auto industry except you, not you. Because here's what's going to happen. Let's say you work at a car dealership and they don't have, they never had any inventory in 2022 and now 2023 rolls around. Interest rates go up. People don't want to buy new stuff. You finally have new stuff on the lot. A few people buy them, but for the most part, they drive by and go, yeah, I'm not, I don't think so. Well, they're driving by in something, aren't they? And guess what? That's something, the older it gets, the more it's going to break. And they're going to want to come to you to get it fixed. Some cases anyway. Maybe not in all cases. Maybe you'd be better off working in an independent shop. That honestly would probably be the best place to be working if the economy kind of goes to shit. Because people are going to be looking for a bargain in labor and parts even. And if you're an independent shop, you're always going to be doing a better job with costs for repairs, labor and parts than a dealership will. So... You may find yourself going to an indie or going back to an indie or even starting your own indie, right? Because when there's opportunity knocking, sometimes you got to open the door and let them in, man. Uh, here we go. It says, but hope for an economic soft landing remains. I don't see, I don't, uh, folks, we can certainly hope for an economic soft landing. I don't see it happening. They just signed a bill, uh, an omnibus bill, they call it, where it just covers a whole bunch of crap. And they spent $1.7 trillion on it. Can't, you can't even count that high. You don't have enough fingers and toes to count the zeros, honestly. Government's, government's out of control. The economy is not going to uh, reach a normal uh, kind of a point probably ever again, really, because it just gets, it becomes normal because it stays the way it is for a long time. It's not normal compared to 1974 or 1996 or even 2007. It's just not going to be normal compared to those years. Looking for the economy to get better, I think it's just going to ease up a little bit and continue to remain a certain way. And 
And as far as we're concerned as technicians, we're going to be doing all right because people are still going to need their cars, still going to need to get them fixed. Uh, They're going to come in. There's going to be more emphasis on making money from service than there will from sales if you work in a place that actually has auto sales, whether it's new or used even. So that's one thing that you can look at. Either way, this is what it says here at the end. Either way, a sputtering economy will hold back the auto market in the year ahead. Uh, Agreed. But it's going to hold back different portions of the auto market in the year ahead. Not fucking us. So consumers, what basically what's going to happen is consumers are going to want to keep their money and they will keep their money by holding onto their cars longer. The average age of the car will go up. We will continue to make money fixing the older cars. And in many cases, I think aftermarket shops are probably going to probably going to prosper because they can do repairs cheaper than uh, say a dealership. Uh, there will be new cars sold. There always is. There always There's always people out there who are doing well. Okay. Not everybody's going to hit the skids and be unemployed and laid off and fired okay not everybody and there will be people buying new stuff and so there'll be a need for the dealership technicians out there and if you're working on cars on the side i would think that you are going to do a land office business because a lot of people may struggle in other areas of their uh financial uh status and they will they will drastically need to reduce how much money they spend in repairing their cars and may not even be able to afford to get their cars repaired at any shop of any kind and if you offer a service to somebody as just a lone wolf technician kind of thing you're probably going to be busier than fuck you're going to be busy baby that's it they're going mean, if you if you charge fifty dollars an hour to fix cars in your garage at home you're going to have a fucking line around the block Okay. And that's that's just as simple as it is. Okay, uh, as far as a consumer for you, you don't have to worry about that because you can fix your own car. Other things are going to cost more. Uh, if you do fix cars at home and you charge fifty bucks an hour, you may start charging sixty bucks an hour because a loaf of bread shouldn't cost as much as it does, and a gallon of milk shouldn't cost as much as it does, and yet it does. And so you got to get that money somewhere. Get it from the people who you're fixing their cars. Get it from those people. Number two here, it says new vehicle inventory levels will continue to increase. That's correct. New vehicle production challenges are beginning to ebb. Yeah, some of the parts supply problems are gone are going away finally. Holy shit. Have you some of you I, I really would like to know honestly if some of you have experienced trouble with that. I had a car a while back that I had diagnosed in fucking April, maybe March. Didn't end up getting the parts until October. Can you even imagine that? That's ridiculous, but that's that's what it was. I don't know if a lot of you went through that. I fear that a lot of you did. I'm sorry. I wish there was something I could do about it. Uh, some of the situations, some of the problems were acerbated by uh, the pandemic, uh, supply chain problems, and also the uh, war that the Russians are currently uh, dropping on the, the people of Ukraine. So uh, with all those factors, it's amazing that we got anything done because Ukraine is quite a productive place. Those people are very handy. Uh, they're very good farmers. They're very good at uh, creating automo- automobile parts and cars. And it's just, a, it's a really, I mean, as a country, Ukraine is a has a very good gross national product, do a lot of things well. That's why the Russians want them. They want them back really, because in the old days when they were the Soviet Union, they used to be part of them. And they've never, historically, never, never liked that. And so when they got a chance to break away, they said, <laughs> Dosvidanya, comrade, and uh, became a whole different country. And that's why they're trying to suck them back into the fold because they're good at what they do. Uh, Here's what else it says here. Lingering supply chain and labor challenges will remain. 
Sure. Uh, labor challenges is what we are concerned with. Labor challenges uh, that we have could be corrected, but will probably not be, uh, read IE, $100 an hour that your Uncle Jimmy's always talking about. Capacity will not return completely to pre-pandemic levels in the foreseeable future. I don't see that really happening ever. People will now drive their cars a lot longer than ever before because they're going to find out if they take a look at their finances. Holy shit, it's a lot cheaper to just keep an old one going. Fuck, why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I do that? Some people got to have new stuff. Some people pound miles on a car. Some people just want new stuff. And some people are going to decide that they don't just want new stuff. They want to keep their money for other things that are possibly even more important. Uh, Stronger production levels and softer demand will lead to higher days, supply, and ultimately more vehicle options for shoppers in 2023. Sure, sure. And that would be a good thing. I mean, if you go to lots even six months ago, and you wanted to look at this, that, or the other thing, they didn't fucking have them. They didn't have them. People were on waiting lists to get some of these vehicles that are out there now. So once they all become available, uh, the prices, I think, will stabilize, hopefully, and the demand will will taper off, and you'll be able to actually see new vehicles on a dealer's lot. And also, two used cars, I think. Used cars are going to fall back in line. They, was, they were out of control for a long time. It's nuts. I saw them sell stuff that was basically in my eyeballs worthless for hundreds of thousands of dollars it seemed like so that was number two number three total retail vehicle sales will fall in 2023 of course raise the interest rates that's what happens uh new vehicle sales will grow but used car sales will decline uh i think that used car sales will not decline as much as they believe simply because those prices are those prices are fucking made up sometimes folks walk on any used car lot that has a car on a lot with a price on it that is out of control and ask them how much they paid for that car they're never gonna fucking tell you how did you come up with the price for it oh well you know this is what the market will bear and then come back in a week or a month and see if they sold it. And then if they do sell it, ask them how much they sold it for. They didn't sell it for what they were asking for. So that that whole, you know, pricing of used cars, there's no yardstick for that. There's no standard unit of measure for that. You get exactly what you can. I've had uh, the years and years and years ago, I sold cars and we had one on our lot that somebody traded in it was in really excellent shape it was a very desirable model i talked to a gentleman on saturday morning back in those back in the days when i was working there he was looking at it i said listen give me your name and number because it's gonna go it's not gonna be here long it's priced very reasonably and he declined he's shaking his head at me i don't want to give you my number i don't want to give you my number okay fine so a couple hours after he left, somebody rolled in, saw it, loved it, bought it, boom. It, I, and I believe it was even gone. And then that jerk off came back in and said, oh, what happened to that car? I go, we fucking sold it, you ignorant moron. If you give me your number, I could have called you and said, hey, you know, we got this on this. Did you want to pay? Did you really want that? Because if you want it, you know, obviously you could kind of outbid that guy. I mean, well, he's, he's telling us he'll give us X amount for it and you could give us x plus and buy it but he was too stupid to give me his number he was too stupid he yeah i mean maybe he thought i was gonna rip him off and i don't know that wasn't my bit it wasn't my car i was selling it for somebody else at a car dealership if they if they were ripping you off well more power fucking to them because you were an asshole so really used car prices are kind of nebulous uh the fact that uh used cars are going to come back to normal will be a good thing and also too i think however that Cars that are usually, I want to say usually, considered worthless are no longer worthless anymore. They got some value to them. They run, they go, they have some value to them. Somebody can drive them. They may need some repairs. So whatever you got, if you're trying to sell it, if it runs and drives and goes, 
got some value to it, put it out there. Somebody will want it. There's still a lot of people looking for cars. People I think are are looking now closer at older cars with a few miles on them, maybe even a lot of miles on them. And you know, what's, what's odd is that nowadays the cars are built way better than they were when I was younger. So they will last longer. They will still require some repairs. There's no question about that, but they'll be worth it because their value is high because there was such a shortage of new cars. So used car sales, yes, they'll decline and they have to decline because they were so fucking high. Uh, Here's what it says with new vehicle inventory levels improving as demand slows. Uh, Cox Automotive forecast 3% year over year new vehicle sales growth in 2023. Uh, I I see that as higher just because there are new vehicles to sell. I think it's going to be higher than that. We really had literally nothing on the lot for almost two years. So as long as we have stuff on the lot, somebody rolls in, wants a car, we can kind of put them in it. And if they like it, they can buy it. We haven't been able to do that for a long time. With market hitting 14.1 million units, okay, it's, that's what it says. It says there's going to be 14.1 million cars built in 2023. I guess that's a, it doesn't say uh, that that's a guess or an estimate, but uh, I'll take it for whatever they, whatever it's worth. They'll probably sell all 14 million of them. Increasing fleet sales will help the absolute number. A lack of nearly new supply, declining affordability, and a shrinking pool of buyers will challenge the used vehicle market. Uh, Lack of nearly new supply. Mm, Okay. Yeah, I think that people are not going to want to jump out of their cars if jumping out of their cars means the interest rate is going to go up. Sure, that makes sense. Declining affordability. Well, like I said, uh, prices are nebulous in the used car market. So uh, declining affordability, that's going to have to be a personal thing. Shrinking pool of buyers. No, sorry. Uh, A shrinking pool of buyers. There really isn't going to be a shrinking pool of buyers. There's always going to be buyers. Now, maybe more than ever, some people who wanted to get out of something and who held on through the pandemic may be aching to get out. I don't know if if you would call it shrinking just because you feel like everybody has a car and they love it. No, I don't think that that's true. Let's let's give them that one though. Uh, you may have less buyers. Uh, it'll challenge the used car uh, vehicle market, the used vehicle market. Overall, retail sales will decline in 2023. It's what's supposed to happen when the Fed raises the uh, interest rate, adding competitive pressures to the market, especially in used. Okay, so the competition is going to get a little stiffer. There's going to be more cars available. There's going to be less people buying them. I get it. It's kind of a downside to the upside. The upside was up. Let me tell you what, the upside was real far up, way up, way up. Some auction houses closed because every dealer was selling everything they got traded in and nobody was wholesaling anything for a while there. And then because nobody had anything available for wholesale, when they did finally start wholesaling them, car lots that count on wholesale lots to get their cars from were buying cars really sight unseen and and just just buying cars, they have cars on their lot. Number four, moving on here. Sales of electric vehicles in the U.S. will surpass a million units for the first time. Uh, well, do I really want to go on about electric cars again? Let me make this brief, okay? Uh, we've talked uh, before about the viability of electric vehicles, about how they, they don't work as well in certain areas, about how they're going to be expensive to uh, continue to build, how the environment is uh, impacted by the uh, mining of the materials for the batteries. The aftermarket has not really caught up with battery remanufacturing yet. I think it's going to be a long time before they do. Like I said, and I'm just going to repeat what I said, electric vehicles are not the answer, not the answer. They're an answer. They are being shoved down our throat. And lots of people who don't really seem to know 
any better, honestly, about these sorts of things, are just going to pick one up and and feel happy and, and quite frankly, smug about what they're doing to help the uh, environment with an electric vehicle, not realizing that the carbon is just made somewhere else instead of in their own driveway or on their own streets in their own town. Uh, electric vehicles are are they going to be a long term answer? I don't believe so. But let's see what the let's see what these people say. Battery electric vehicle market continues to outpace the overall market in sales. Well, yeah, they're out there, and a new milestone is on the horizon: one million EVs sold in the U.S. in 2023. Well, that's up about almost a million over where we were 10 years ago because we didn't. The company I work for, I don't even think they had an EV in 2013. Uh, if they did, they were hybrids and they were terrible. They were terrible. And as far as I'm concerned, some of the electric cars and the hybrids they have now are still terrible. Uh, they they do they do crazy things and people can't seem to understand why they do them. But it's the nature of the beast. And uh, if they keep it up, they're going to ruin their vehicles with some of the stuff they're doing. With expanded product availability coming and a fresh round of government-backed incentives, that's another thing that you and I are paying for. We're going to pay people to buy EVs, uh, which to me doesn't doesn't sound like a good idea. Uh, to motivate buyers, the uh, Cox Automotive team is forecasting continued good news in the electrified vehicle market. Good news? I don't know. I don't know about good news. I'm still I'm still on the fence. Now, as somebody, as somebody who is completely 100% trained in the... Uh, diagnosis and repair of electric vehicles for the brand manufacturer that I work for. I should be happier than a pig in shit about electric vehicles that get sold in our dealership. I should be. I mean, it, it kind of singles me and about half a dozen of my other fellow technicians in our building out as the only people who can work on them in our building. And they're not going to go to the aftermarket because really uh, electric vehicle repair is nearly non-existent in independence, nearly non-existent. So they're a slave to the dealers who have endeavored to train uh, some of their technicians in their brand and their dealerships to work on these vehicles. But I just don't see it as an answer. I don't, and I don't see it as viable. And we have had some major league problems with some of these vehicles. And some of the repairs are absolutely horrendous. And some of it, it's not even really, some of it, honestly, doesn't even really have anything to do with the electric portion of the vehicle. Now, I'll relay a story to you just real quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this. I have in the past. Uh, you know the objections to it. Uh, I feel that, honestly, let me let me just say this real quick before I get started here. Electric vehicles are not an answer, but they are a stepping stone towards the ultimate answer. I agree that they 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 don't make they do not create any harmful pollutions. The manufacturer of them does. The manufacturer of the battery does a big time. And there's also a problem with uh, with scrappage of the batteries if they cannot be rebuilt. I think in a lot of cases. They probably can be rebuilt, but I haven't heard anything about that at all, okay? And I just saw something the other day, I think it was actually yesterday, where a gentleman had gotten an estimate to replace a battery in a Chevy Volt. Now, I don't know if this is right. I'm not sure if it had even included labor, but it said that the vehicle battery needed to be replaced, and the vehicle battery was $26,000. Well, that car's going to the fucking scrapyard, boys and girls. I'm not spending $26,000 to buy a battery for an electric car. Fuck that. For $26,000, I'll buy five separate vehicles. Two I can drive all the time. Two I can drive for winter cars. And one of them I could take out and beat the shit out of. Maybe give it to a, a teenage son or a nephew. <laughs> and he can destroy that car. That's just not going to happen. I'm not spending $26,000 for one single car part. 
Sorry, I buy lots of car parts and I probably bought well over $26,000 worth, but not just one car part. Not going to happen. Now, I had a vehicle. I, this is a story I want to give you real quick. I had a vehicle where the electric AC compressor gave up and chewed itself into little tiny bits. And it actually made, uh, this was, this was kind of crazy. It made a knocking noise that sounded like the engine was coming apart. What it does is it disperses small metallic flakes of aluminum and steel throughout the entire air conditioning system, which in a hybrid vehicle like this was, uh, goes into the uh, evaporator, ruins that, goes into the lines, ruins those, goes into the condenser. Guess what? Ruins that. And the dryer. The dryer is probably plugged full of fucking, probably look like stripper glitter in there. And then inside of the high voltage battery, there are cooling grids in this particular vehicle uh, that are used to keep the battery at the proper temperature. In uh, Texas, uh, it spends a lot of time working really hard to keep the batteries from getting really, really hot like the rest of us. And then uh, you have, of course, the lines go to the back. So to, to fix this vehicle properly, you had to remove the high voltage battery, all of the cells, all six of them, replace all of the cooling grids in there. There were four. And then you had to replace the uh, expansion valve for that particular unit and the lines that went to that. And then you also had to replace the lines that went to the condenser and, uh, you know, all the stuff. And then after taking the battery out and putting that back in and getting that all back up to stuff with the uh, end of service testing and all that, the dashboard needed to come out completely. Now, I, particular cars I work on are pretty technically savvy cars. So taking a dashboard out, it's not something that you just do in a couple of minutes. And then you had to remove the heater box and obviously replace the, uh, the uh, evaporator core because it will store that stuff and if you don't replace it, obviously, it will redistribute stripper glitter throughout the system again. So you have to really, you really basically, the proper fix is to replace every single component in there. And I think that this job ended up uh, paying somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 to 65 hours. I don't remember exactly. It was a little horrendous. There was a evac and recharge, obviously. There was end of service test on the high voltage battery. And then you had to uh, get obviously everything everything all back together again and get everything charged back up. And then you had to test drive it quite a ways to make sure it was going to be okay. So, and that was, uh, that took a long time because uh, there was, of course, when I was doing that, there was an an extraordinary amount of lead time for some of the parts. Some of the parts were not available and took a long time to come in. So when you start to put together cars that aren't like anything else, like electric vehicles, you have to take into account that some of that stuff is very new to the technicians in your shop. Some of it can't be worked on by some of the technicians in your shop. And so the downtime for some of these electric vehicles is, in fact, horrendous, uh, especially if you get one where the <laughs> the AC compressor takes a shit. And this happens a lot with the particular uh, manufacturer I'm working for. And actually, I believe that it happens a lot for a lot of manufacturers because they probably use the same compressor uh, from the same manufacturer that we do. So this is something that's going on out there. Also, too, what we're having a problem with is some of the cells. Some of the cells are not being made properly and are causing a pro- or can conceivably cause a problem. And one of the things is when a cell's not built correctly, you can get a uh, thermal event out of it. Read, i.e., a fucking fire. And when you set one of these batteries on fire because of the chemicals and the materials and the minerals that are in them, yeah, they don't like to stop burning. You can throw them underwater. Guess what? That doesn't that doesn't bother them for a fucking second. 
They keep fucking burning. Yeah, it's kind of not good when you have to put them out. And uh, really, as a matter of fact, you can't put them out. So when you're talking about EV sales, I think that a lot of people are going to skirt the fact that they break just as much as the ICE vehicles and that uh, they it, the, the damage and the, the damage that they can cause and the damage that can happen to them and the things that they can do are way more catastrophic than a... <laughs> An internal combustion engine car. Okay. Now, I don't want to go on for that. I don't want to go on about EVs too much. There will be uh, an extraordinary increase in sales and production of EV vehicles in the future. You are going to hear more and more about how it's not the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're going to hear more and more about how some people have different problems that they didn't anticipate with them. You're going to hear about range anxiety. You're going to hear about things like that. So uh, you will see more of them. They are a step in the right direction. I will say that. I will give you that. I am, like I said, I'm totally on the fence about these things, and uh, they will they will enable us to reach. Uh, I believe in the future, not the near future. Okay, I think it's going to be a while. It's going to be down the road. I think we're going to reach a point where they are refined to the point where they become very viable and very usable, good for the economy and good for the environment all at the same time. They're just not there yet. Okay, uh, I want to move on here. Number five says, and this is according to the to the folks at Cox Automotive. Used vehicle values will see above normal depreciation for a second straight year. How is that really not possible? Okay, now you know that, and I know you know all know people that this has happened to because you're in the car business. There's people out there who bought a brand new car, let's say 2019, maybe towards the end of 2019, maybe early 2020, and they put maybe 5,000 miles on it. Maybe they're in the, you know, they're somewhere between 5,000 and 10,000 miles. They paid 35 grand for it. And they roll into a dealer for some reason and a salesman or even a sales manager comes over and says something to them. Hey, you want to sell that? And they're like, well, I just bought it not too long ago. They go, well, we'll give you $41,000 for it. You'll actually make money on it. And they will turn around and sell it for 45000 or maybe even more than that because there was such a shortage of new vehicles and very good high quality used vehicles for a period of time that your used vehicle actually depreciated in a negative manner, which means that the value went up on it, which I got to be honest with you, almost never fucking happens. It doesn't happen. I mean, classics can do that. Certain classics can do that. You might buy a, you might buy a Chevy truck, a 69 Chevy pickup truck and keep it in really good shape. And maybe you paid $19,000 or not even $19,000, $1,900 for it in 1969. And now it's worth $19,000. So, you know, there's, there's, situations where you can see negative depreciation they're kind of rare and really honestly uh it's not the kind of depreciation we're talking about here for this particular type of report this particular type of data analytics here but for a couple of years people were getting vehicles bought back from them for more than they paid for them new it was happening and so that trend could not last it's not economically feasible. It's a lot like the laws of supply and demand. Somebody's going to have to pay attention to what the fuck is going on and eventually straighten it all out by applying more money to the, to the low supply and the high demand. So for, for values of used vehicles to slip below a normal depreciation value, uh, it's not good. And then when they get back, they're going to see uh, X amount of depreciation, which is above where you would normally see them. Here's what the article actually says. What the market gives, the market takes. Yes, absolutely. After historic value increases in 2020 and 2021, followed by above average depreciation for most of 2022. It's already happened. Used vehicle values are like to see another year of above normal depreciation 
which means that, you know, the normal wear and tear on them is actually going to start to cost the owner money, uh, which is just a normal thing that happens anyway. Uh, and the rates are going to, the rates are going to adjust to a more normal rate like we've seen in the past from where they were. Price trends should normalize in the second half of the year as constrained wholesale supply supports used values and used retail prices fall into a normal relationship with new prices. Yeah, how is that not possible, really? Some of the used vehicles that we sold, we sold at prices that even a few months earlier, maybe a year earlier, people would have said, what are you, fucking nuts? (laughs) What is you, fucking crazy, man? I ain't paying you that for that. But then for a while there, people were like, all right, I got to have it. Or I want it. There's the money. But then also, too, uh, we were on the tail end of a very, uh, very stout economic uh, period of uh, a strong economy uh, when we had a different president who didn't have the same types of views about the economy that the gentleman we have now does. So uh, I don't want to go into all of that. But we were doing better. Later, we were doing better a while ago than we are now. So, uh, number six, we're going to look at uh, vehicle affordability will be the greatest challenge facing vehicle buyers. It's a very, very official way of saying the shit's going to cost too much for us to buy them. Now, uh, as technicians, I we've, we're already there and we've been there for a long time. Uh, I've said it a million times. It's it's just to God's honest truth. I can't afford to buy what we what we sell at our dealership. Uh, our salespeople seem to be able to, which kind of irks the shit out of me. Uh, they don't uh, do any more heavy lifting or physical activity than to maybe uh, put a ream of paper into a printer, uh, whereas I'm putting stuff that weighs way much more than that into cars all day long. Kind of annoys me, but uh, there it is. There you have it. You know, the uh, sales department makes a fair chunk of money just selling them. The internet will take that money away from them shortly, I hope. Uh, we talked about it a million times. Elevated, this is what it says here, elevated retail prices and high auto loan interest rates combined to produce record monthly payments in 2022. Yeah, and I don't think anybody wants to hear that. That's not good. We don't want higher car payments. Nobody does. When they start to get high, people start to beg off on buying a new car. They hang on to the old one. That's why the average age of the car on the road in the United States of America goes up. That, I got to tell you, boys and girls, and I just want to say this real quick, that is always, 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 one more time, always going to be a good thing for you and me as auto mechanics. Because older stuff breaks. They don't want to take it to a dealer. They want to take it to an indie. And if they can get a hold of you as an individual, they will want to bring it to you. Because the name of the game is saving money for customers. That's the name of the game. Whenever they come into your dealership, they don't want to spend money. They know they have to. They know they're going to, but they don't want to. That's why a lot of people get worked up and take the service manager to task for some of the things that happen at the dealership. Because they have they have had to pay and pay through the nose. And maybe many fucking times, depending on what they own or what they bought or what they drive or how they fucking drive it. And it's their fault. It's not our fault. We don't make them depreciate. We're trying to bring them back to life. And if they've got very little life left to them, it may be very expensive to bring them back to life. Uh, Before I went out on a medical thing, I worked on a car that was probably close to 20 years old. And uh, the owner wanted wanted to drive it. He wanted to drive it, but it needed an absolute shit ton of work. And he authorized all of it. And it cost him a lot of money. But we got the work done. I've worked on those cars a bazillion times, so it wasn't any trouble for me. And we got them going down the road, and then we find that it needed other things. But you know what? Once we get those things straightened out, that car is going to be good to go. It was a pretty good car in its day. And and if you fix all the problems that it's having, it's still a good car. I have one myself. 
And uh, I, I got, what am I at now? About 207,000 miles on it. And this thing goes down the road like it's on rails. It is smooth. It drives right. It's a great car. And I'm not going to complain about it. And I'm one of the people that's making this whole 14-year uh, average age of the car on the road. I'm the one who's fucking making that go up. Because I'm going to keep that car until I'm dead. Probably won't be too long from now. Who knows? But <laughs> And the other one I got, got I had a birthday last month. And I've had it for 10 years. So I'm out there killing the averages for you. And I'm probably going to keep that car forever because it's fucking paid for. I'm not going to have to deal with vehicle affordability being a great challenge for me. Not going to happen. Here's some more about what it says here. More of the same is expected for 2023 as automakers increasingly cater to new vehicle market with more expensive products for higher income consumers. Now, that's not us. Leaving less affluent and subprime buyers struggling to find affordable vehicle payments that satisfy monthly budgets. In other words, uh, the new vehicle manufacturers are putting so many options and making their vehicles so well and making them expensive that they're going to price a lot of people right out of the fucking market for new stuff. And that is going to also increase, help to increase the average age of the vehicle on the road. And like I said, and I said just seconds ago, man, the older the cars get, the happier I get, the happier we should all get. And what we need to do really, and this is just your Uncle Jimmy talking, talking shit, is we all need to fucking open our own garage at our house and just start fixing cars for people at our house. This way we get to keep the money. We mark up the parts. We keep that fucking money too. We fix their cars. They don't have to pay these dealers and independent shops these outrageous labor rates of a hundred plus dollars an hour. They can pay me 50, 60, $70 an hour, save tons of fucking money, keep rolling with something that's old because I know how to fix it because I fixed a fucking million of them. You're all in that boat with me, man. Let's get it done. Fuck it. Fix cars for people, man. Make them pay you. Have them pay you. Your dealer doesn't want to pay you. Your independent shop doesn't want to pay you. Fuck them. Tell them to kiss your ass, take your toolbox home, throw out a shingle, and start fixing cars for your people in your neighborhood. You can do it. I know you can. All right, we're going to move on to number seven here. I don't want to go into that one too much. That's a, a whole other podcast, and that one's coming pretty soon, I think. Uh, we're going to be uh, we're going to be putting people in touch with people, not shops, not businesses, not auto groups. Only touch. People to people. We should probably fucking call it that. People to people. Number seven. All cash deals will increase to levels not seen in decades. Absolutely. I got to be honest with you. Let me let me fucking shoot straight with you. I'm going to sit down, pull my pajamas back up, and, uh, and and shoot straight with you. I want to buy a new vehicle. I really do. And I believe I deserve one, and I would like one. And, you know, I feel like I can afford it. Really, honestly, I'm not the ones where I I work, but uh, something a little less expensive than that. And if I was going to do that, I have enough money laying around. I could pay for the whole entire fucking thing in cash and give the finger to the guy in the finance office and he can suck my dick as far as his fucking interest rate goes. He can fucking blow me. Here's your interest rate. I'm not interested in paying your fucking interest rate. Suck my dick. You know, seriously. More wealthy consumers will buy with cash rather than finance in 2023. Yeah, monkey. Placing downward pressure on dealership F&I profits. Aww. Let's have a pity party for them. Holy fucking shit. This change will be felt more acutely in the new vehicle market and will likely have lingering impacts on industry profit pools. Is there such a fucking thing as an industry profit pool? And future buying behaviors. Absolutely. If you have the money and if you want to buy something and you have the money to pay for it fucking outright, I think that you should probably do that. 
especially if it's something that's quality. Now, I'm looking at buying a truck, man. And here's the deal with trucks. Trucks are always trucks, and trucks can always haul shit. I don't give a fuck if it's a, a 46 Ford F, whatever they called them then, F1, or if it's a 69 fucking Dodge D100, or if it's a fucking square body Chevy trucks. Always a truck. You could throw shit in a bed. You could put big fucking tires on it. You could put chains on it too if it's two wheel drive. What the fuck? You can drive through snow up to the fucking door handles with chains on them. I've seen it. It's crazy. A truck is always a truck. It's always going to have value. I don't give a shit. And with the fact that a lot of you crazy bastards, which I love you, I want to just mention this. I love all of you out there. And you crazy bastards that put LS motors in literally fucking everything. I love you even more. Okay. Now I'm not a big, huge fan of the LS motor and everything, but I'm also not against it either because I understand exactly why you do it. First off, they're available. Hello. Second off, they make these things fucking stone reliable. Fuck. You go out, you touch a key, boom, the fucking thing fires up and it's got three, four, 500 horsepower right off the fucking bat. And it's, and it's pretty clean, by the way. Hello, if you hook up catalytic converters, which you almost need to if you're going to run a, a stock-type computer. I mean, I know some of you guys are out there going, oh, we never do that, Uncle Jimmy. We, we tune out the fucking post-cat O2 sensors. We just put in a regular straight fucking, straight fucking voltage, and it thinks they're there. Okay, whatever. I didn't hear nothing. But you know what? Seriously, anything out there that you guys can stuff an LS motor in has had an LS motor stuffed in it, and you keep it going. And you keep it going and you keep the money out of the dealership's pockets. And you know what the thing is now with these auto groups? I mean, that that shit, I've said it before. I, I'm going to say it again. I'm probably going to keep saying it. They buy up dealerships. It's got to be lucrative. Otherwise, they would not be doing it. So they're making huge money. Is it trickling down to you? Fuck no, it's not. So if you can take money out of their pocket by buying something and paying cash for it or keeping something old going... I am 1,000% behind that. If I if I worked at a dealer, and I do work at a dealer, but if I worked at, I'm working at the dealer I'm working at, never sold any more new cars ever. And all the ones that they got sat on a lot forever and never got bought. And they ran a dealership and it profited off of service and selling used cars. I'd be fine with that. I would think to myself, well, there, there's what you get for having an interest rate that's fucking out of control. For having a president that doesn't know how to fucking, you know, run an economy worth of shit. And having advisors who don't know how to run an economy worth of shit, maybe you need to cut chop that part out. I don't know. But listen, all cash deals, yeah, you're going to see that more because people don't want to pay money to borrow the money. And why would they if they've got it? You know, it used to be that, you know, if you wanted to start a business or run a business or improve your business, you went and got a loan because you didn't want to use your own money. Why wouldn't you use your own money? You don't have to ask somebody for a loan for that. You don't have to pay it back. You don't have to pay interest on it. In some cases, I think a capital loan is a really good idea. In other cases, it may not be the best idea. And with vehicles... Hey, if you're going to maintain them, and seriously, honestly, and, and let me let me just point this out to you. If you're if you're listening to this and you, you're thinking about even possibly doing that, paying cash for a vehicle that's either new or used, and it's a lot of money, think about how you're going to use it, and if you're going to beat the fucking shit out of it, and if you're going to pile miles on it, and if you're going to maintain it, okay? Because I would not pay all cash for a vehicle if I was going to destroy it within a couple of years. But as history. Uh, as history tells us, your Uncle Jimmy keeps cars for a really, 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 really long time. And so if I bought something all cash and I never had a, a car payment on it, I would keep that motherfucker forever. So if you can afford to do that, that might be a good option. But you got to you gotta know yourself. You got to gotta know yourself. You got to look in the mirror and say, is that something I could do? And it would be smart or is it something that if I do it, it would be stupid? 
And it might be stupid. You got you to be smart about that one, okay? Because if you're going to pay for something and you're going to beat the fucking crap out of it and you're going to stop paying for it and maybe ruin your credit by getting it repossessed, if it's all fucked up, eh, that could happen too. Look inside your heart and see, see what would be the best option for you, okay? Number eight, dealership service operations volume and revenue climb. As affordability issues lead more owners to maintain current vehicles, 2023 should see continued strong dynamics in the service lanes. That's right. You damn skippy. People, if if you have, um, and I'm talking not to technicians right now, talking to people who have cars, if you're not taking care of them, you better slap yourself in the fucking face and start doing it. Nothing's going to last very long if you don't maintain it. Nothing. We have, we all have the horror stories of the 30,000 mile oil change or the, the Prius that never got its oil change at all because they didn't even know it had an engine. I mean, shit like that, you know, not stopping when your car starts to overheat for whatever reason. It doesn't even really matter. You got to stop. You can't just keep driving it. You have to learn to and practice good maintenance policy. You have to do the recommended manufacturer's maintenance and maintenance schedule. Keep it going. Yes, that puts money into the pockets of dealerships and independents and whoever else is out there doing literally all of your maintenance services. Auto parts stores, if you do your own, sure. It puts money in their pockets. But that money spent to do maintenance is money well spent, even though it doesn't pay you back. There's no return on it. It's kind of a loss leader. It's not something that you can point to and say, well, I, I got an oil change done, so now I know the engine's going to last at least six months longer. You can't can't do that. You can't go back and say, well, mate, you know, I didn't need to do that maintenance because the motor ended up blowing up anyway. You can't do that. What it says here is that fixed operations saw strong revenue growth in 2022. Of course it did. All the, all the used stuff that got out there needed a lot of repairs after a shorter period of time than a new car. As pricing power and strong demand led to larger increases, large increases, in average ticket size, despite total service volumes not yet recovering to 2019 levels. Yeah, you know, you know what else has happened because of the pandemic? Some people stopped driving their cars altogether. I have had about four or five cars in the last year or so that needed batteries, and the batteries were only a couple of years old, but they hadn't started a fucking car in like 12, 16, 18 months. It's like, um, yeah, your battery's never going to hold out for that shit. Because there's a certain amount of shit, you you all know this, a certain amount of shit stays on all the time. It's just standard procedure. But it also standard procedure is that you drive it at least every other day or something like that and charge that battery back up. But if you don't do that, guess what? Ah! That battery dies a slow and painful death. With retail sales expected to be flat or down, fixed operations as a profit center will be more important than ever in 2023. Okay, now... Inside of that statement, with retail sales expected to be flat or down, fixed operations, read i.e. the service department, as a profit center will be more important than ever. You, my friends, the guys with the tools, the wrenches, the screwdrivers, whatever else, all you greasers out there in Grease Wheels Nation are going to be more fucking important than ever because a fixed operations is basically just you creating fucking labor out of thin fucking air. You are going to profit from where the economy is going to go. You are going to profit. Make sure that you get a hold. In 2023, I want all of you within the first three months of 2023, I want every one of you to grab a hold of your service manager or your shop owner or your general manager and say, listen, we're going to do big numbers this year. You're going to have to share those big numbers with me by giving me a raise right fucking now. Okay, you don't have to word it like that. You may not want to word it like that if you want to get one, but you're going to have to say, listen, we're going to fucking blow the doors off this place. I'm going to need some more money if we're going to do it properly. Ask them nicely. Just say, you know what? We're going to make a lot of money this year. I need to make a lot of money. 
I need a raise. I'm going to go back to work while you determine how much money you want to give me, how much, how valuable my presence here at your dealership is, at your shop is, at your service center, okay? Get more money. They are going to need you more than ever because they're not going to be selling cars as much as they used to. Sales will be down for the new car department. Sales will be down for the used car department. Profits will be less. People will still expect them to have an increase in profit in those departments because people up top don't know what's going on. They're like, oh, how come you sold less cars in the month before? Because the fucking interest rates went up and because people don't have the money to buy these cars at the price they are, but they're getting their old stuff fixed. How come the service department's making more money? Because they have to get their old stuff fixed because they can't afford to buy the new stuff. If you're out back performing those services, you're out back providing the labor that they sell, get your fucking share. God damn it. Get your fucking share and don't be passive aggressive about it. On day one, January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, whatever day you get back to work, just tell your service manager, say, we got to talk about more money for us. All of us, not just me, everybody who works here. We're going to be fucking breaking our ass, making this company money and making it more money than they ever thought was possible. You're going to have to share it with us. So get get your fucking pencil and your piece of paper out and start figuring out how much you're going to give us, how big of a raise you're going to give all of us. Just fucking make it a foregone conclusion. Just say, I don't want to know if you're giving me a raise because I, I know you're going to give me a raise because you're a smart guy. Figure out how high that raise has got to be. All right. That's it in a nutshell right there. With retail sales expected to be flat or down, fixed operations, read, i.e. the service department as a profit center will be more important than ever in 2023. And if there's a shortage of technicians, it is going to make wages go up for new hires. So if you can't, if you talk to your service advisor or your general manager, whoever fucking deals with the raises in your building and they don't want to pay you, folks, I tell you all the time, it's not called grease the wheels for no reason whatsoever. Get the fuck out. There are other people out there who realize that there's that there's a world of hurt coming and we're going to need to fix every car that they ever sold twice and three times this coming year because they were used mostly. And they're going to need you to do that. And if they don't want to pay you, then you'll do it somewhere else and make more. That's your that's your grease the wheels mission statement for uh, this week. OK, now we're going to move on to number nine here. Half of vehicle buyers will engage with digital retailing tools. This is a great one. This is a great one. I'm going to read it out to you. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. Okay, here we go. The shift to e-commerce has accelerated by was accelerated by the pandemic and shows no sign of fading. In the year ahead, Cox Automotive forecasts that half of all vehicle buyers will engage with at least one digital tool during the purchase process. Importantly, fully digital vehicle purchases will continue to be only a small percentage of the business as most buyers will pursue an omni-channel vehicle buying experience. Okay, I don't know what an omni-channel is, but I disagree with the last part of that statement. Here's the thing. The shift to e-commerce was accelerated by the pandemic. Absolutely. It's also accelerated by the fact that people have become more and more and more tech savvy every single day. Even your Uncle Jimmy gets more tech savvy every day. How is that possible? And also says it shows no sign of fading. Now in the year ahead, they forecast that half of all vehicle buyers will engage with at least one digital tool during the purchase process. Well, I myself personally, like I said earlier, I was looking into buying a new vehicle and I have checked the inventory on lots all over the country for some for something that I'm specifically looking for. I have specific colors I want. I have specific makes and models I want. And I'm just looking around, but that's a digital tool. I can look and see who's got what, when it got built, where it got built, when it got dropped off. And and then later on, if it's not fucking there, I know that somebody fucking else bought it. I will know pretty much right away, by the way, 
if I've got to fucking hustle down there and pick this thing up before somebody else fucking buys it. Because that happens too. Now, I'm not in such a position where I have to buy something new. So I am a very patient, unmotivated buyer. But with e-commerce, and it's coming, folks, I'm telling you, go up front and introduce yourself to all the salesmen up there because in a year, maybe even two, they won't be there anymore. They'll be, they'll be being, they'll be something else. They'll be bartenders. They'll be baristas at Starbucks. They'll be driving Uber and, and Uber Eats and, and maybe even homeless. Who the fuck knows? Some of these guys don't seem like they have any skills whatsoever. As soon as people figure out how easily they can buy and even finance a vehicle online before they even get to the dealership, they're going to fucking do that. One of the things, I have a good friend, I've talked about this before, I have a good friend who bought a car from Carvana. And one of the things that he enjoyed about it was that he did not have to talk to a salesman. And I'll tell you what, if you talk to a lot of people, they'll tell you, I would love to buy a new car, but I do not want to talk to a fucking salesman. And I don't blame them. I know some that are great. I also know some that are total pieces of fucking shit. Who wants to fucking shake the dice and roll it? Who wants to ro- who wants to fucking roll that pair of dice and come up with a fucking guy who's a douchebag and trying to force you to buy something you don't want? Nobody wants that. And that's the one thing that drives people away from car dealerships. And so if you could do it all online, I mean, we're talking the whole fucking kit and caboodle. I mean, you go and you look, you see what it is, you see what it's like. Maybe you could get the dealership to bring it to your house. You could take it for a test drive. They take it back. You decide you like it. You go into another another app and you finance it. Maybe you get a better rate than the dealership was going to give you. Holy fuck, that would fucking piss them right the fuck off. And then you have them send a check over. You don't even have to do it. They just fucking email a check over and the car's paid for. You don't have to pay those outrageous interest rates maybe if you have the money in your bank account, right? And then they clean it up and they fill it up with gas and they get it ready. They shine it up and you go down and you have somebody drop you off and you wait because there's always problems. You don't have, if you're going to get dropped off at a dealership to pick up a new car, you better have whoever dropped you off wait a few minutes. Make sure it's all going to go smooth because a lot of times it fucking doesn't. You know, maybe they cleaned up the white one when you wanted to buy the black one. I mean, you sound, you might laugh and it might sound ridiculous, but I'm sure as I'm sitting here right now, it's fucking happened that's not the one i wanted you know and why is there a 50 dollars charge right now you know there's a 50 dollars charge because you didn't finance it through us go i ain't fucking paying that so take this thing and stuff it up your fucking ass this is how car dealers work they want money they are going to figure out ways to get money and if you circumvent all the ways that they can get money they will find another way to get their money they're they're really 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 good at what they do this is why it's so difficult for us to get raises because they're not good at paying anything for anything they're just not good at it they don't know how to do it they know how to take money oh fuck man they're real fucking good at that and this whole going to a digital sales sales kind of a program like a carvana is being tested and marketed as we speak by every car manufacturer in the fucking world. It's going to be, It's there's no doubt about it. This is 100%, folks. It is going to be the wave of the future. You will walk in. I I, I was, I have to laugh and I apologize, but because uh, <laughs> sometimes I get a thought that comes into my head. But really, seriously, I think in a couple of years, once the salesmen are really pretty much all gone, they're going to come up front and measure the showroom to put lifts in it so that we can have more service space because that's all we're really going to be doing is servicing them. We're going to do PDIs. We're going to do new new and used vehicle inspections, and we're going to do maintenance and repairs. It's all we're going to do. We're going to stock the inventory for sales, but we're not going to physically sell it. We're going to let the internet do it because the internet's way more efficient at doing it. 
Costs fucking less too, by the way. Anyway, let me move on here because I I can go on about that shit all day long, and and I, I I'm telling you it warms the cockles of my heart, honestly, and it and I I feel a little bad about it, but it does warm the cockles of my heart that car salesmen are going to be a thing of the past, you know, like milkmen and and fucking shit like that, you know. So we're like, oh, remember when people used to buy cars from people? Holy fuck! Wow, how old are you? <laughs> Number ten, federal, and this is the last one. Okay, so we'll get this podcast down to a reasonable. Uh, time for a change. Number 10, federal incentives will encourage more fleet buyers to consider electrified solutions. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm for that because if you have a fleet and you know where your fleet's going to go every day, you can charge it up past where it needs to be and they can come back and it just needs to be charged up so it can go out the next day and it makes no pollution whatsoever. I'm all for that. It's the, it's the not knowing where the fuck I'm going to need to go and not knowing how far I can go, the whole, you know, range anxiety thing that, that customers with personal EVs are going to have. But that's, you really don't have that with a fleet because you could say, okay, you know, each, each electric, let's just call them sprinters. Okay. Uh, and I don't even know if a sprinter is available electric. It probably is. Let's just say you have an Amazon sprinter. It's electric and it can only go 200 miles. So you plan a route for an electric vehicle that comes in under 200 miles so it gets back to the shop. Pfft, sounds like a win-win to me, okay? Here's what this goes on to say. A key element of the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 was the reshaping of EV tax credits in the U.S. Within the new laws are incentives designed to entice fleet operators to consider electrified vehicles in the upcoming year. Great. Fleets have historically shown slow adoption of EVs. Of course they have. Uh, they they have technicians too in a lot of cases. Fleets do. And I would, ma- I would imagine that a lot of these technicians haven't got a fucking clue how to work on an EV because probably the, the people that they work for are not training them in EVs. So they're just going to get these things because they're going to get tax credits to get them and they're going to probably kill some technicians because they're not going to know where not to put their tongue. But recent research indicates 66% of fleet buyers are considering EVs. Up from 43% in 2021. Yeah, of course. You add incentives. That's all it takes. You start talking about giving somebody money to try something different. They're going to at least think about it. And some of them, it sounds like, are going to do it. Okay. New incentives and investment in charging infrastructure will likely also amplify the trend. Sure. If you have an Amazon Sprinter and you only get 200 miles out of it, but halfway through his run, he can stop for lunch for an hour and charge it back up to 80% and do another 150 miles on it and deliver all the packages and have a little bit left over to get back to the shop, then then definitely that's a win-win for Amazon and anybody else who delivers anything or anybody else who uses a fleet for that. Now, I, I've had the idea in the past, and I don't, you know, I mean, I just have kooky ideas like this anyway. I'm sure you're familiar with that by now. But I thought that some of these pizza shops that deliver pizzas, now they typically don't deliver pizzas too far. And they could put in a charging station for their own pizza delivery vehicles and an oven that runs off the high voltage so that they could bring you a hot and fresh pizza in an electric vehicle that is honestly, honest to God, hot and fucking fresh because it's fucking an oven also on top of being a car. A little bit more difficult to do in an internal combustion engine car where you have a 12-volt system. But when you have 350, 400 volts kicking around, you could certainly wire in a fucking stove. Fuck. Put that thing in there, turn it up to medium, 
pizza comes in. It's so fucking hot. It burns their, pe- burns their fucking tongue. I always thought that that was a good idea. And I think, honestly, if I was a car manufacturer, I would manufacture a car specifically with two seats and an oven and even maybe a, a spot where you could sell just slices to somebody on the side of the road. They could flag you down and say, you know, it's a dollar a slice or a dollar fifty a slice. You, they slide the car, you a slice comes out, boom. You know, I mean, you could have a pizza vending machine also. You know, and maybe even a refrigerator so they could get sodas if you wanted. I mean, you could clean up if you pulled up in some of, in front of some of the bars that I used to go to. If you had a pizza oven that was full of slices of pizza and you sold sodas, fuck, you'd clean up big time. And there's other kinds of food trucks that could be EVs as well, where they got charged up. Maybe you had a, a food truck park where the EVs, EV food trucks pull up, plug in, boom. Obviously, you'd have to charge them for the electricity that they use, but they could, you know, instead of having gas-fired grills, they could have electric grills and and, and even dishwashers and that sort of thing that, that would run off a high voltage, you know. This is this is something that can happen, and it's probably going to, because if I can imagine it, I'm sure somebody else can imagine it, and, and you could have somebody build these things. So, you know, EVs are not all bad. I don't want to, listen, I tell you, when I'm on the fence, I'm talking about the fact that, you know, it's a good, it's a really solid compromise. It's not the answer. It's an an answer, but there's also a lot of different things, a lot of different options you can do with electrified vehicles, with electric vehicles, you know, and there's probably more that I haven't thought of. I mean, you know, if you had a parts store, an auto parts store, and you had an electric vehicle, you could certainly save a lot of money on gas and you have electricity coming right into your auto parts store anyway, so you could charge it up there all day long. Got to make 16 runs. Don't got to make a run to the gas station, do you now? All right, so that marks the end of this particular episode of the of the of the Wheels. What I wanted you to do is get an idea of what the industry thinks about what's going to happen in 2023 and then how it's going to affect us as customers, as technicians, and also as uh, employees at a dealership or a shop. Things are going to get hairy for us. Okay, because as the average age goes up, I talked about a thousand times already, but I'm just going to tell you, as the average age of cars goes up, we're going to get busier. And as new vehicles show up with crazy options, we're going to get a lot busier. And as EVs start to show up, we're going to get a lot busier. We're going to have to get training. We're going to get busier because of that. So the future is as bright as really, honestly, it's as bright as it's ever been for technicians. It's as bright as it's ever been. And listen, if your boss, if your service manager or your shop owner or your general manager can't see how bright the future is going to be coming from the service department or the fixed ops department, whatever they want to fucking call it, if they can't see it and they don't want to incentivize you with more pay, with higher wages to join in on the money they're going to make in the service department, then by all means, update your resume and grease the fucking wheels. There are places where people can see what's coming and they need to get ready for it, and they need to hire in guys like you and me, okay? So listen, get your resume updated. Look at 2023 as an unbelievable opportunity for you to make a, a good living and to do a lot of good work, all right? I know you do a lot of good work. I appreciate the work you do. I love all of you. I hope you have a great New Year's. Don't get too hammered. Don't drive drunk, please. I want to see you all safe and happy in 2023. We're going to kick ass and take names. Your Uncle Jimmy's going to sign off now, right now, and he's going to just say, see ya.